Hello, I'm Katie Harrison and this is Stepmom Space, the judgment-free zone where we'll talk candidly about the fairy tales and scary tales of stepmom life. So whether you've been a stepmom for years, you're just starting out, or you want to understand the stepmom in your life a little bit better, this is the place for you. My guest today, Sarah, has a pretty unique story. Sarah is married to a man whose first wife passed away. A first wife who, before she died, became friends with Sarah, meaning that she already knew her stepchildren before she became their stepmom. Sarah got in touch with me to share her story. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Really pleasure to be talking to you. And tell us a little bit about your family. My husband met his late wife when she had two children from a previous marriage. So they were six and two, so they were quite little then. So your husband was a stepdad in his first marriage? Yes. Got it. Yeah, so everything I get to go through now, he has already been through, which is quite nice. And then a little bit later on, they had a baby. So there's the next one. So when his wife passed away, uh, after that, we got together, we got married, uh, we've got a baby. We've got the two older ones who are like second year of uni and GCSE age. And then we've got the younger one who's nine, nearly 10. And then we've got the baby who is nine months old now. Wow, that is one big family. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. So how did you meet your husband? We actually have known each other since I was 11. We were together for a few years when I was kind of a late teenager. And then we broke up, went our separate ways, and then kind of reconnected. Within the family, I knew his late wife. We became quite good friends. And I did a lot with the family in her last kind of year. It it wasn't really like we kind of just met out the blue or anything like that. We'd been spending time all together. After she passed away, I was already doing the odd school run and picking the kids up from scout camps and stuff like that. So there was none of the whole, oh, when do we introduce you to the children? Because I was already introduced to the children. I'd had a spare key because when they'd gone away, I'd gone and stayed with the dog for like one night. It's really hard to say kind of like how I met him as such. I'm not sure when we decided that our friendship was a relationship or anything like that. It just kind of happened. That's a really interesting story. It feels a bit like kind of one of those sliding doors moments of you guys being in and out of each other's lives and then you know you becoming friends with his wife it's it's quite a unique story yeah yeah definitely there's a old theory I'm not sure it's wrong but it's a red string theory that says like if two people are connected they'll keep coming back together so it feels a little bit like that and going through that experience your now husband had lost his wife you had lost a friend it must have been an incredibly intense roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. So I lost my dad when I was not much older than the oldest one is. So I certainly related on her level. And so I felt an awful lot of empathy for her, especially for the boys as well. But just really knowing like what they had to come, it was upsetting enough at the time. And they were processing that. And there was me remembering all those times that when I graduated, it was devastating. When something big happened in my life, it was, it, I find it still quite devastating. When I got married, you know, it was, it was hard that he wasn't there. So knowing that they kind of had all this to come, like she had a driving test coming up. And that was one of the first days that it really happened. So she 
had a driving test. She passed her driving test. And she was, you know, happy that she'd passed the driving test, but really upset that she couldn't share it with her mum. So in the early stages, I felt a lot of that, like knowing what they were going to go through. Mm. So that was really hard. And then on a personal level, I felt so much guilt because for me to be happy, somebody had died. It's just a really hard situation. You know, every time I'd look around and think this is really nice, like I'm really happy, there was always the flip side of I feel really guilty. Not that I, you know, could have done anything differently. It just, there's a lot of guilt. And even now there still is. Yeah, I mean, from the outside looking in, you wouldn't assume that. But as you're describing it, I can totally understand how you would feel like that. How do you Mm. handle that? I don't know. I guess just talking about my husband is amazing. He talks really easily. And I'm not sure he always did. They had a lot of counselling when they knew that her diagnosis was terminal. So they did a lot of talking. And so I think it's taught him to open up and be a lot more honest about things. He's very open to talking through my experience as well as his own and vice versa. So he's very good at accepting what I say on face value. But we had a lot of nights where, you know, once I was staying over, we'd get into bed at night and we'd just kind of talk through the day. I spent so many nights going to bed in tears. It just kind of got better over time, I guess. What tended to cause the tears? I think just all the emotions, like the guilt and the overwhelm. And you constantly look at things you've done that day and you're like, oh, have I handled that the best? I did not handle lots of things the best. I would get very overwhelmed and very emotional. It's brave of you to admit that. And it's not really surprising you felt overwhelmed. You'd gone from having no children to suddenly having three children in your life who'd been through a traumatic experience of losing their mum. Yeah, and bless them. They've, they've all accepted me amazingly. It could have been really difficult because I was a friend. You know, there's so much that could have been said or that could have been read into things. And they were just brilliant, especially the older one. Me and her had a good friendship anyway. We'd been away with her mum and some other people. She's that little bit older. She was practically an adult. I think she was 17 at the time. And because she accepted it really well, the boys kind of followed suit. But the other thing is for the older two, they've already had parents that have moved on into new relationships. They've got a stepmom. And obviously, my husband is their stepdad. So they've already been through that process once, although it's different now. And knowing that someone's there and they're not trying to replace your parent, they've kind of been through that already. That's been a little bit harder with the youngest one because he hasn't been through that. Perhaps it's given your stepdaughter a little bit of comfort in a way to know that you and her mum were friends for her that could translate as her mum would be really happy that you were around to look after her daughter because you're somebody that she cared about and trusted I'd like to think they think of it that way but who knows (laughs) so you talked about how you and your husband were friends you've been in each in and out of each other's lives for some time and then you became a couple once that transition had happened Did you feel differently about being around them all? Do you know what? I don't think I did. I guess I felt more responsible for them. Like I said, it just kind of slowly transitioned. There was no moment where it was like, oh, suddenly this is this. Like I'd already done some responsible things for them. I guess my level of involvement with them also just evolved naturally. And how did you communicate the change in relationship status, let's say, to the children? 
I think we just sat down and spoke to them. We quite often have our family meetings over dinner because no one can go anywhere and everyone's <laughs> happy when they're being fed. Um, Smart woman. <laughs> now that's the traditions come in. I've just come into that one, but it works well. I think the youngest one at the time was too young to kind of get any implications with it. Mm. Most of his stuff's kind of come later on. And I think it's just a big combination of a lot of big feelings that he doesn't necessarily understand. I think if anyone had a bit of an issue with it, it was the middle one. He was about 12, 13 at the time and didn't find talking about stuff so easily. And just was like, well, if she's okay with it, I'm okay with it. But whether he was actually okay with it. Who knows? It's hard to tell. (laughs) So at that time, were you guys living together? No, we hadn't moved in. I still had my house. We just kind of lived our two separate lives and I just spent more and more and more time there. And then I eventually spent more time there than I did at my house. And that was when we moved the cat in because we decided she wasn't home. I was having to go home to, specifically just to look after her. The cat was kind of the deal maker. And then lockdown happened and suddenly we were all on top of each other all the time. It was just really stressful for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it. It was stressful for the most easy family setup. So. <laughs> uh, we got through it. And I think I think in some ways, or in a lot of ways, it was not a good thing. But it meant that any incompatibility in routines and stuff, we kind of got it out of the way. Yeah. And how did you feel about moving into their family home? Exactly that. It will always feel like their home, not our home. It was the only option. And that was hard. Like it wasn't like we could sit there and go, shall we do this or shall we do this and make a decision together? It was either we keep living separately or I move in. Because, you know, the kids had had so much upset already. The last thing we wanted was to uproot them some more. My house just about had enough room for them all, but it certainly had a lot less space and had no room for any future expansion of the family and it was nowhere near their schools there was no choice and I think not having the choice made it feel really difficult but you know they were welcoming they were lovely everyone went out of their way to try and help me feel settled in like they didn't have to they certainly were great and this is where some of my not so shining moments came in and you might enjoy this certainly other people might enjoy this I um would go into the kitchen to cook dinner And I had an open plan kitchen and lounge. So I was used to, if I was cooking dinner, there was normally somebody around to talk to. And then in their kitchen, it's like the tiniest kitchen. It is so badly laid out. Anyone would get frustrated in there. But it didn't, I didn't even know what it had. So not only was I like, I'm looking for something, I don't know where it is, but they might not have even had it. Like I knew what was in my kitchen, I didn't know what was in their kitchen. And almost every dinner I cooked for a good three or four weeks, I would end up in tears, a full-blown meltdown over nothing at all, but just sheer overwhelm. And I think, like, the kitchen wasn't the problem, but it just, I don't know, it was almost like a trigger or something. And the kids think it's hilarious now, going back at it. They're like, do you remember when you used to cry every time you cooked dinner? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yes, I haven't been able to block that one out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had regular dinner meltdowns. And it's an odd feeling, isn't it? It's your home now, but it's also doesn't feel like it's your (laughs) home. Yeah, exactly that. Do you think it felt differently at all moving into the home because you were already familiar with the home and you had known their mother? I mean, obviously, in some ways it was helpful because I knew where some stuff was. (laughs) Over the time that I've been there, we've slowly rearranged stuff and done things a bit differently. 
So each time we rearrange stuff, it does start to feel more like my home. But if we get rid of something that I know she likes, I find that quite hard. Like we got rid of a sofa that she would, you know, that I don't know. I don't think she particularly liked it as such, but it just, it was how it was when she was there. But a lot of things are still the same. There's this lovely family tree they've got made with apples. It's still there. And obviously I'm not on it and the baby's not on it, but it's still really nice. It's still there. It's still part of their family. I've had comments about that before, like, and there's a whole photo wall. People are like, oh, you know, is it not awkward having that stuff up? And I think for some people it would be, but I guess because I knew her, it's nice to still have it there. Like it's a memory for me as much as it is for them. And I think maybe when you don't know the person, that's all they are is a picture. Whereas to me, she's a person. That makes sense. You know how happy she would be that somebody's loving her children and looking after the children. (laughs) So how long had you been living together as a five when your baby came along? 18 months, I think. And how was that? So many ups and downs. Obviously, it's a lot of adjusting. Like I said, a lot of it was done in lockdown. It was up and down as everybody's was. And how did the kids take to the news that there was going to be a new baby in the family? Oh, they were so excited, actually. I I cannot fault them. They have been nothing but excited. The younger one, now that he's here, has struggled a little bit with not being, you know, if if you're at dinner and something needs doing, you tend to prioritise from the younger one upwards. Mm. So he's no longer the first on the list. He's now the second on the list. When step families merge or when a new baby comes along in a step family, the birth order changing can sort of really dramatically change the relationships with the children mm. and I know and I think well, he was quite excited for this baby he's got younger cousins and stuff like that and he was quite excited for his baby to play with and then he came along and I he cuddled him and he loved him for like the first few days and then I think he just got a bit like like you don't do anything because now that he smiles and he laughs he's brilliant with him again I think he just went through a little phase of like you're a potato I mean, it is a fair point. Like, babies are quite boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until they do stuff and then they're fun again. <laughs> so it's amazing that your stepchildren accepted you so readily. Has it been the same with your extended family? On his late wife's side, they're brilliant. They've been so, so accepting. Like her mum and dad, they've taken on my little one as an extra grandchild This kid has more grandparents than anyone else I know, I think. (laughs) That's amazing. And for them, so painful to lose their daughter, but so wonderful for them to know that their grandchild is in a loving family and that it's with you who they know their daughter really liked. Yeah, hopefully that's how they feel. So back in the early days, I certainly felt, and yeah, I think imposter syndrome is the best way to label it. So where you feel like you don't necessarily belong, I just I was doing things that were a parent's thing to do when I just didn't feel like a parent. One of them, I went to a uni open day. And I mean, to be fair, there is a very small age gap. So the oldest is only 13 years younger than me. So I don't, I biologically couldn't be her parent. But we go to this open day and they just looked at me when we registered her and they were like, are you here as a student or are you here as a parent? I'm like, well, yeah I'm here as a parent I guess and there was a few things like that where I just didn't really feel like I belonged I I had this crazy chaotic lifestyle where I just was here there and everywhere my work was really busy my social life was really busy it just you know did so much all the time 
I just didn't have time to feel like a parent. And amongst all the big life changes, so moving house, going from zero kids to four kids, how have your relationships outside of the family changed? Some of them haven't changed. Some of them are amazing. I'd certainly say I've drifted from some of my friends, not necessarily through anybody's fault, just through time. I think for some of my friends, it was quite difficult because I think they maybe didn't know if they invited me somewhere, were they inviting me or were they inviting the whole family or that just made a difference. I think I've certainly there's been some drifting. My brother and his wife at first, I would say it kind of moved us further apart, certainly me and my brother, because we ran a business together at the time. And I was really struggling to keep up with the workload, but I didn't want to accept that I needed help because I felt really like I should be able to do all this. I just feel like you should be able to do it all. But in reality, if I'd normally gone from no children to three children, I'd have maternity leave and I would have a bit of time to like decide whether what I was doing worked for me. And it didn't. And then suddenly, you know, there was no maternity leave. And then suddenly I'm responsible for all this extra stuff. But I didn't want to admit defeat. And me and him definitely struggled a bit in that period. Um, I felt like he wasn't supportive. And I think he felt like he was trying to be supportive, but I wouldn't accept the help and that kind of thing. And so we definitely went through a period, it was rocky. And now I think I'm closer to him than I've ever been. And it was actually, I was told I couldn't have children. Um, So I think I'd kind of been waiting because we were trying for baby. I think I was kind of waiting for the maternity leave to assess how I was going to do things. And then I was told I couldn't have children. So I think that's when I then sat down and kind of was like, well, I can't carry on like this. So I've got to make an assessment and decide what I want to do. Um, And then I left the business. So again, that was rocky for a bit. But now he's so supportive. Like, So some friendships, I think, have grown. And then others, I guess, maybe have drifted. What surprised you along the way? My capacity to melt down over seemingly very small things. But that didn't used to be quite such a thing. But I think it's just so much bigger motion. And you're like, like you said, you're just teetering on the edge. And then anything little can tip you over. Her family's acceptance, that, that one surprised me. I don't think I expected them to be so warm and so welcoming and to take on me and then to take on the baby. Loads of them came to our wedding. Really lovely. It's so lovely for the children to not have that divided loyalty because so many of the stories that we hear on the show where the children feel difficult, it's because they have been made implicitly or explicitly to feel like giving stepmom a chance is not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, her family have definitely made it. They've been brilliant. And how did you handle those moments of big emotion? (laughs) Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't consider that I did a lot of the time, but mostly just letting it out because that's who I am as a person. I can't not. I very rarely aimed at the children. It was just at life in general. But, you know, they would come in sometimes and I'd be a bit snappy with them. And it was just always explaining what I'm feeling because I'm quite a strong believer that we all need to be shown and taught how to deal with big emotions more so than we are. So I didn't always see it as a bad thing. Um, But there were times that I felt really upset or difficult with the situation. And then I'd be like, but this is nothing compared to what they've got to go through. And so there was times where I would very much belittle my emotions and just think it was kind of, it was just me. Yeah, which is Um, problematic, really, because there's not a finite amount of emotion to go through and just because you're feeling something you're not trying to invalidate any of their feelings 
Yeah. I think that's a really common stepmom thing. I mean, a lot of the women I talk to and myself will be familiar with hiding in your bedroom crying. And I don't think it's the same with biological children. And sometimes I wonder, like, if we were a bit more comfortable about letting out those emotions more publicly with our stepchildren, like you've done, is that actually a really helpful thing for them to know actually you're finding it hard as well yeah I don't know I mean there were obviously many many times I've cried in my room as well <laughs> if I feel like we need a big like stepmom room with loads of comfy cushions where we can all go and have a good cry together <laughs> I mean that sounds great and then a cocktail <laughs> even better yeah <laughs> I'll work on that <laughs> um so tell us a little bit about your wedding then like I said it was really lovely obviously all my stepchildren were there some of his late wife's family were there, all the normal friends and family that you'd expect at a wedding were there. It was a big day. It was really lovely. It was very high in emotion from some of the guests, mostly more so his family, I think, than most other things, because they were remembering her and happy for him. And it was a very emotionally charged day anyway. But back when we were planning and we were doing the guest list and stuff, obviously you come to the whole wishing people were there. Like I wished my dad was there. And in some way, well, in many ways, I wish she was there because we'd have this conversation when she was still alive about what kind of wedding I'd have if I ever had a wedding. And then here I was having a wedding and I couldn't invite her. But obviously, had she been there, things would have been a little awkward because, you know, I'd been marrying her husband. So, yeah, it was a bit of a conflicted day. (laughs) Yeah, like loads of big emotions. I'm not surprised you had some of the overwhelm that you were talking about. How's that gone over the years? Do you find it easier to kind of manage that yeah yeah I don't cry in the kitchen when I cook dinner anymore that's probably because you know where all your things are now though (laughs) exactly look Sarah it's been such a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for all your honesty and candor and for putting a bit of humor into what could be a really 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 difficult situation it's really good to hear that your stepchildren have accepted you so readily and I'm thrilled that your little babies brought a fourth child into your family. Thank you. It's been really nice talking about it all actually. Especially someone that gets most of it. <laughs> it's nice. Oh, it's so nice talking to people who get it. If you want to find more people who do, head to our brand new forum at www.stepmumspace.com forward slash forum to meet other stepmums, share stories, ideas, and connect with those who know what you're going through. I hope Sarah's story has given you something to take away. I'll definitely be having a think about how I can accept my less positive emotions in a better way and manage them a little bit more openly instead of just keeping going until I hit burnout and meltdown. A huge thank you to Sarah for sharing her story with us and thank you for listening. As always, if you've got a story you'd like to share, please do get in touch. You can find me at www.stepmumspace.com or on all the socials at Stepmumspace. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do give us a rating or review so other women can find us. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. <laughs>